Chapter 6 When the doctor eventually arrived, Mr. Bagthorpe insisted that he examine Jack immediately. "'Don't worry about me,' he said faintly, leaning back on the cushions. "'I shall survive. I think my writing arm may be a write-off. Ha! That's good.' He perked up momentarily, but sank back again. "'But that boy must be examined.' "'What for?' asked Dr. Winters. He looked keenly at Jack, who had been trying so hard to appear normal during the last half-hour that the strain was beginning to tell. When the family cross-examined him about the lavender man bearing tidings, while waiting for the doctor, he stoutly denied all knowledge of saying any such thing, and said they must all have been dreaming. "'I just felt a bit giddy, that's all,' he told them. "'Like I did earlier. Everyone gets it sometimes.' "'I don't,' William said." The rest of them promptly chimed in, saying they never got giddy either, with the exception of Grandma, who said that she got giddy so often nowadays that she could hardly tell the difference. <laughs> who gets giddy and who doesn't has nothing to do with it, Mr. Bagthorpe said. I take it none of us has seen lavender men bearing tidings. They all shook their heads, and William said he wouldn't know one if he saw one, and was told to shut up. This is not a laughing matter, said Mr. Bagthorpe sternly. That boy may not be a genius, but he has always passed as normal till now. Jack was so infuriated by this that he very nearly told them he was a whole lot cleverer than they thought, as witness the fact that the whole tribe of them had been taken in by the first bit of serious acting he had ever done. He managed to refrain from this by promising himself an even greater victory, if he stayed his hand. "'I keep telling you,' he said. "'I'm right as rain.' "'Anyone want to test me on my tables, or irregular French verbs?' Mrs. Bagthorpe, who was trying to treat the whole matter as impar impartially as she would one of her problems, thought this a good idea. "'It will at least show whether it's only one part of his brain that has been affected, or all of it,' she said sensibly. So Rosie ran Jack through some mental arithmetic, and Tess took him through his French irregular verbs, and he emerged with practically full marks.' If anything, he did rather better than could be normally expected. Mr. Bagthorpe refused to be comforted by this. "'I don't see that proves anything,' he said. "'There are plenty of lunatics walking around reeling off kings and queens of England or the cup final results for the last twenty years. I know some of them.' "'What do I have to do to prove I'm normal, then?' Jack asked. He got a dig of his own in. "'Stand on my head?' "'Very funny,' said Mr. Bagthorpe through his teeth. "'As a matter of fact,' Tess said, "'that was an exceedingly good sign, Jack saying that. "'A sense of humour is usually regarded as a sign of mental health, "'apart from excessive punning, which is another matter entirely. "'That,' she shot a look at her father, who was always doing it, "'is often an early indication of impending schizophrenia.' "'Thank you very much, Professor Bagthorpe,' said William jealously. "'He had as many strings to his bow as Tess had,' but knew far fewer long words. There was every indication that more trouble was brewing when Dr. Winters arrived, and Mr. Bagthorpe put in his urgent request that Jack be immediately examined. Dr. Winters did not seem to understand. Now, what exactly are the symptoms, he asked. He looks all loopy and blank, said Rosie. I saw him at breakfast. I think he has delayed shock, doctor put in Mrs. Bagthorpe firmly, and Jack gave her a grateful look. "'I'll explain if you don't mind,' 
Mr. Bagthorpe said. After all, I've seen it twice, and nobody else around here has. I'll demonstrate. Mr. Bagthorpe cleared his throat, and stared rivetingly past Dr. Winter's head. The latter, bewildered, turned to look behind him. I don't see anything, he said. Of course you don't, Mr. Bagthorpe told him sharply, annoyed by the failure of his experiment. There is nothing there. He stopped, just short of saying, you idiot, as he would have done had it been a member of the family. Ah, the doctor sounded relieved. What he does, Mr. Bagthorpe told him, is stare as if he can see Frankenstein or a swarm of angels or something over your shoulder. Dr. Winters addressed himself to Jack directly now. You do not, I take it, see either of these things, he asked. No, doctor, replied Jack truthfully. He sees, said Mr. Bagthorpe, which is a good deal worse, I think, a lavender man bearing tidings. A lavender man bearing tidings, said the doctor with irritating calmness. Let's have a look then, shall we? The doctor opened his bag, and the Bagthorpes watched respectfully, while Dr. Winters went through the whole performance of looking into Jack's ears, throat, and eyes, with particular emphasis on the latter. He also took his temperature and pulse. He then turned and faced his audience. There is nothing I can discover, he said carefully, that would indicate any kind of departure from normal. Thank heaven! Mrs. Bagthorpe stepped forward and embraced Jack. There, what? exploded her disbelieving husband. You mean to tell me? It was your arm we were called out to examine, I believe, interrupted Dr. Winters, preparing to mount his own high horse. Shall we take a look at this arm? Mr. Bagthorpe, realizing that his whole script-writing career might hang upon Dr. Winters' goodwill, gave up. "'All right,' he said meekly. "'How did it happen?' inquired the doctor. "'I fell over at tea-time,' replied Mr. Bagthorpe. This explanation had already been mutually agreed upon by the Bagthorpes. They had decided that, so phrased, it was the truth, without being the whole truth. The Bagthorpes always stuck together at times like this. News of Mr. Bagthorpe's disastrous gymnastics would never reach the outside world from Bagthorpe lips.' Mrs. Fosdyke was another matter. They had long ago given up trying to train her in loyalty. Dr. Winters did not query this explanation. He duly examined the arm, and pronounced that it needed to be taken to the nearest hospital, at Isham, to be x-rayed. <laughs> Tell me the worst, demanded Mr. Bagthorpe. Is it all over? Is what all over? asked the confused Dr. Winters. With my career... With unaccustomed patience, Mr. Bagthorpe explained that his livelihood, his raison de terre, his whole existence, depended on the efficient functioning of his right hand, which in turn, he pointed out, depended upon his right arm. Most unlikely. Dr. Winter snapped his bag shut. Might be in plaster for a few weeks, that's all. In plaster? For weeks? Mr. Bagthorpe fell back again. It will kill me, he declared. "'Nonsense,' said Dr. Winters. "'Do you good. Give you a chance to catch up on your reading.' <laughs> "'You're not exactly Milton, you know, Father,' Tess said unwisely. "'It's no good pretending your script-writing is that one talent it is death to hide.' <laughs>
"'If I am not Milton,' returned Mr. Bagthorpe, "'nor is he me, and can't be expected to know how I feel. "'If Milton were living at this hour, "'he would be writing TV scripts, let me tell you. "'And Dickens, and Shakespeare, and Tolstoy. "'Go and practice your oboe.' "'Tess stayed where she was. "'Perhaps you could try writing with your toes,' suggested William. <laughs> "'And type with them as well, I suppose,' said Mr. Bagthorpe. "'Now then,' the doctor made an effort to terminate his visit. "'Are you going to drive your husband to the hospital, Mrs. Bagthorpe, "'or do you want me to arrange transport?' "'At that moment there was a violent scream of brakes "'and a churning of gravel under the window "'that could only mean the arrival of Uncle Parker. "'Jack's heart began to race. "'None of the others took much notice.' "'I can take him, of course,' Mrs. Bagthorpe was saying, "'though it will mean my missing the parish council meeting. "'Which is of infinitely greater consequence "'than my entire writing career, of course,' said Mr. Bagthorpe, "'who had evidently decided to stop being brave "'and make an all-out bid for sympathy instead. "'At that moment, in breezed Uncle Parker. "'Hello, all!' "'The Bagthorpes turned. "'There was silence.' Uncle Parker was attired in an elegant suit, complete with waistcoat, of palest lavender. He wore a purple bow tie and black patent shoes. News, he announced. I've got news. The Bagthorpes boggled. Then one by one they swiveled their gaze to Jack, as if they expected to see him in some way changed, transmogrified, now that his prophecy was fulfilled. Jack wondered briefly whether he should do his trance performance again, but decided against it. He had, after all, denied all knowledge of having said anything about a lavender man bearing tidings. In any case, he had done enough acting for one day. Still, the Bagthorpes were transfixed, and even Dr. Winters was visibly shaken, and looking at Jack again, as if for something he had missed in his first examination. 